It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. <laughs> well, you know, Rich, somehow I think last week we hit a nerve uh, with the Lawrence White message, the sin of silence, and then the other things that we talked about in that program because the listener comment line reflected so many comments from the listeners, how much they enjoyed that, appreciated it. It meant a lot to them. So I thought maybe we ought to get into that same subject again. What is more important than life versus death? What say you? Well, absolutely. Uh, And, of course, we know that God is the author of life. Yeah. Well, let's start out now, folks, and I'm not going to have an argument with anyone because I know some of the people listening right now, they think, well, abortion may be wrong, uh, but under certain circumstances, it probably is not wrong. And others may say, oh, I think it's right all the time. And then some people listening now, they may say, well, a woman's choice over her own body, and uh, who, who are you to say? And all of those sort of things, you see. But, Rich, they are only words chosen carefully to express an opinion that isn't really brought up as the subject matter. Am I saying that so it makes right. any well, sense? Right. Well, it's the wisdom of the world which is foolishness in God's eyes. Yeah. I'll tell you what, folks. Now, let's repeat this one item that was so good, the diary of an unborn child. Listen to this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Diary of an Unborn Baby. Day one, fertilization. All the human chromosomes are present. A unique human life begins. Weeks one through two, the DNA in the baby's 46 chromosomes of the one cell contain individual sex, eye color, brain capacity, and other physical traits. Weeks three through four, the heart begins to beat with the baby's own blood, often a different blood type than the mother's. The baby is developing rapidly at this time with the formation of the umbilical cord. Weeks five through six, the baby's eyes, legs, and hands begin to develop. The brain waves are detectable and can be scientifically measured. The mouth, lips present, fingers forming, the baby begins his first movements. Week seven, the eyelids and toes form. The nose is distinct. The baby is kicking and swimming. Week 8. Every organ is in place. The baby's bones, fingerprints begin to form. Weeks 9 and 10. Teeth continue to form. Fingernails develop. The baby head can turn and sometimes frown. Week 11. The baby can grasp objects placed in the hand. The kidneys begin to function and the baby can mimic the movements of breathing. Week 12. The baby has reached the peak frequency of movement and rarely pauses for more than five minutes. Week 14. The baby's heart is pumping several quarts of blood through the body every day. The smallest details are now taking shape. Week 17. The baby can have dream sleep. Week 20. The baby can hear the mother's voice and feel soothed. During the past nine months, one cell has grown into more than 100 million cells. With no new parts to form, the baby is ready to be born. Respect life. Uh, Isn't that beautiful? 
Isn't that beautiful? As I was listening to that, I was thinking it was years ago, I think, that I first heard that if the baby can hear the mother's voice, you see, while the mother is carrying the baby. So when the mother is singing or expressing or anything, the baby uh, is, is capturing that and, and lending itself to that sound. And that kind of ties in, Rich, with with the, with the mother then is feeding the baby after it's born. It's a beautiful, beautiful story, isn't it? And even in our mother's womb, the Lord knows us. Now, last week, we had Senator James Lankford. Now, you folks in Oklahoma who have elected him year after year after year, good for you. Good for you because you've elected a senator a United States senator who is also a man with convictions. And he's a man with a heart. He's a man who believes things and is willing to express himself and use his opportunity as a leader of people to make a difference in the lives of people. And so let's just go through that little more thoroughly today with Senator Langford. Listen to this. I do have a very profound belief that in the value of every single person. Uh, and I can't seem to shake uh, some of my friends on the Democratic side that believe some children are valuable and some children are not. I, I just I can't get past that yeah. uh, to say I really do believe every child is a gift from God. And I'm, I don't have the right to be able to declare that one's valuable, that one is medical waste, and to just set that aside. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and who should presume to have the right uh, to someone else's life who should be able to say, uh, you know, as a civilized society, we know that life is something other people must not tamper with. And so the life of the child is the one life that is never brought up in these discussions. The life of the child is the one that is kept completely away from the pro-abortion uh, mentality. And all of that is not and, and and Senator Langford was absolutely right. It's he? so elitist that uh, certain people set themselves up as if they are the ones that should determine who should live and who should die. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's up to God. <laughs> well, I tell you, exactly. And people make themselves above God. Uh, now we're back to the first chapter of Genesis, aren't we? All right, listen to Senator Langford again. I'll often hear people say things like, well, Democrats care more about the child after they're born, and uh, Republicans just care about them when they're born. And I always laugh, and I think that's a nice cliche. It's just not factually true, actually. But we do have a different set. We don't believe that government should take care of everything and every child. There's a role for the family. The family should have more choice in education. The family should have more opportunity to be able to do things with their children and be able to leave that they shouldn't have a heavy hand of government. Now, that is a difference between us, but that's just a core belief in the value of the family and the importance of family. Yeah. Rich, uh, you've heard me say, and our audience has as well, the very first institution that God made and ordained was the family. What was the second? The church. What was the third? The government. In that order, the family comes first. And we're talking about marriage. We're talking about conception of the child, following marriage, by the way, uh, is God's plan. And then the family comes out of that. 
Um, the whole purpose of creation was for the pleasure of the family after God created Adam and Eve. Is that right? Right. And the parents are to train up a child in the way he should go. You and know, that's, this, uh, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's this, the parents' responsibility. This invites something else that had been on my heart for quite a little while. Folks, effort precedes reward. Are you teaching your children that? As you're bringing your children up, are you, are you letting them learn that when they put forth an effort, that takes place before a reward? Now, there are exceptions to that. When you have a birthday party, people bring your presents. And at Christmas, why, uh, why that's Jesus' birth. So we, we give people presents. But the child needs to learn that when he works and puts forth an effort, then there is a reward, whether it's the paycheck or anything else comes after that. And the government has taken it away from the people to follow that principle. By the way, that's taught in the Bible also. Let's see what Senator Lankford says along. We lose the core values as a country in those critical aspects because one family's not passing it on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. They're expecting government or expecting somebody else to be able to carry on those values. They don't. Uh, we know from a biblical perspective, you pass that on from one generation to the next. The mom and dad pass it down to their children and their grandchildren. And so when, when we see a failure of that in some families to be able to pass down that value, it gets filled in with the vacuum of the culture. Uh, so being salt and light begins at home. And uh, so for uh, two things I would say on that. One is make sure our families are actually passing these values. Do the first thing. Uh, right. I know we're panicked about other people's families and what's happening in other places and other states. Make sure we're taking care of our own. And the second thing is make sure our hope is based on something that is eternal. Our hope is found in Christ and what he is doing. If our hope is in a government or in a place or in a person or an elected official or in what my school is going to do, your hope's in the wrong spot. Uh, we, we take care of our first responsibility uh, to our family, uh, to our own personal walk with God, and then engage in our, in our culture in a way that makes the greatest difference. Oh. <laughs> that reminds me of that song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less hey, Than Jesus' what? Blood and Righteousness. Yeah, the people in Oklahoma, they're pretty lucky to have a man like that to vote for. And doesn't he have a great voice? Well, yeah, well, yes, he does. <laughs> now you're making me feel bad. That's <laughs> well, it, uh, good. It's yes, good. he sure does. I tell you what, the man is speaking from his heart, even though he's a U.S. senator, and there are others, folks, and there are others. Identify the politicians, and really they're public servants. Never forget that. Never forget that. We the people are the boss. We the people are the employer. And then we hire the public servants. To represent us. To represent us. And absolutely. And so the people in Oklahoma have done very well. Matter of fact, the people in Missouri have done very well in uh, Senator Josh Hawley. Yes. And we could go on and on. But we don't have enough, maybe because the people are not alert uh, when they're voting to know who they're voting for and what he stands for, what he really believes in. All right, now let's... Uh, Let's take another one from Senator Langford. No, no, no one likes being told, just be quiet, sit in the corner, you don't, you don't matter anymore. 
every person matters to God. And though not every opinion is right, I understand that everyone has an opinion, but not every opinion is right. People do deserve to be heard. And that used to be a core value that we had as Americans is everyone would be heard. That's what our Congress is all about. Uh, That's what neighborhood conversations and school board meetings are all about. Let them be heard. Yeah. Now, if you're waiting for the media to bring it up, you're going to wait a long time. The thing that I feel bad about, if you're waiting for the church to bring it up, you're waiting far too long. Uh, That was what Dr. Lawrence White's message was about, the sin of silence. Let's everybody have their say. Uh, Senator Lankford also had some wonderful comments. Let everyone be heard. Right now, uh, especially on the left, it's really shout you down uh, and to be able to find ways that you don't get the opportunity to speak. Uh, it's contact people that are donating to some conservative cause or some church that made a statement they don't like and find people that donate to them and not go to their business and boycott them and all those things. Uh, so there's a couple of things we can do. Obviously, engaging with your neighbors and friends in a real conversation. Um, it, it doesn't help us to say, if I was canceled, I'm going to cancel you back and I'm going to disengage from culture even more. Uh, that's what that group wants. They, they want to say, I don't want to think about you. You're a non-person to me. I'm canceling you. You don't exist. And so I want you to not to speak and I don't want to see you. So one of the best things we can do is actually go serve them and to actually go engage in those conversations and relationships and say, I don't think we've really met because I'm hearing some things that you think I think and I don't. Can we get time to get dinner together? Can we get time to be able to talk? Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, well, I hate you back. <laughs> Uh, to say, okay, I'm going to actually love you when you hate me, and let's find out if the Jesus method actually works. Because Martin Luther King Jr. talked about hate doesn't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Jesus said light comes into darkness and dispels the darkness. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if there's darkness there, insert some light and find out what happens. And again, people want to say, well, let me elect someone, and they'll just fix all this. That's not how it works in a culture. It's each family. It's each community. uh, It's each individual choosing to be able to reach out to someone who disagrees and establishing that. And the more isolated we are from each other, the angrier and the more separated we will be. The more that Christians actually engage with people that don't agree philosophically, we end up being salt and light. And that seems to be a biblical principle of adding light to dark places and salt where salt needs to be applied. Mm. A baby is a baby is a baby from conception until death occurs through trauma or disease. It was Dr. Jerome Lejeune from Paris, France, one of the world's leading geneticists that I learned that from. From the moment of conception, uh, the child begins and uh, continues developing and uh, continues growing, and the little brain cells are multiplying and all of the various things until about age 25. Are you listening, folks? And at age 25, the cells no longer are growing and replenishing as fast as they used to. And very slightly, uh, the cells that are dying overtake the cells that are being replenished very slightly. That's why at age 25, a person has a certain look of maturity, you know, that they didn't have when they were 25. I mean, when they were 18 or 15. And that's just the way it is. And Dr. Lerome no one ever, no one ever questioned his science. No one ever questioned his science because it was right. But then I remember... 
He said, the only question, folks, is do we care? See, care is not a matter of science. Care is a condition of your heart and the reasoning of your mind about someone else, just not yourself. Listen to what Senator Langford says. So I was actually on the floor of the Senate and spoke. Uh, I had a picture of a child uh, in, in the womb. It was a great three-dimensional sonogram uh, picture. Those pictures are, are remarkable now. When my kids were little, uh, it was just like this fuzzy black smear on the page. You kind of figure it out. Now you can see their nose and their eyes and their lips, and it's remarkable, the technology that we can see. I had that picture behind me, and I said, there's really only one question that we have to resolve. There's, there's only one out there, and there's all these options. People saying, there's only one question that I resolve is that a child? And I could show the picture and say, is this a, is, I can count 10 fingers, I can count 10 toes, there's a beating heart, there's a functioning nervous system, there's DNA that's different than the mom's DNA. They're not the same DNA. Uh, right. that, that tissue is different than every other tissue in her body is that tissue right there of that child. And to see this face and to say, how can you say that's not a child? How, how, how can you say that? So really, I try to be able to bring it back to the central issue. A lot of people talk about it's a woman's choice, and if she wants to keep this child, it's upper. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's first begin with the real question. Is that a baby? Because right. if that's a baby, what are we going to do about that as yeah. a culture? Yeah. Folks, uh, that's Senator James Langford from the great state of Oklahoma. And uh, he was talking then about a speech that he gave on the floor of the U.S. Senate where he had this large picture, uh, poster, whatever, behind him to make them, the listeners in the Senate, his fellow senators, uh, stop and think, is that or is that not a child? Of course, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still, Regardless of what the facts are in that. Yes, and according to science, it is a baby, a living human being in the mother's womb. And like Jerome Lejeune said, the, the science doesn't dispute that. It's just a matter of do we care. See, folks, uh, Rich and I are not wanting to have an argument with anybody. But all we can do is talk to you out of our heart and talk to you about what we believe and what we know. Come on now. The sun comes up in the morning and it goes down at night. Uh, gravity pulls <laughs> and the sun shines and the rain falls. Can we, can we, do, do you want to dispute that? I mean, do you want to say I don't believe it? Well, I suppose you can say that, but it doesn't change the facts of the case, does it? But we just want to talk about, about the issue of life. And it's so important because there's no one listening right now that doesn't have a material interest in that subject. Let's hear what Senator Lankford says now. Years ago, the Supreme Court determined, you know, not, not just is abortion going to be legal, but is it going to be required in every state? People lose track of what Roe v. Wade was. Roe v. Wade, abortion was already legal in America, just most states didn't allow it. Some states did. The Supreme Court stepped in and said, nope, every state has to allow this. And so it suddenly became mandatory nationwide. And for the people that say, well, what if Roe is overturned? Well, if Roe is overturned, 
All that will mean is the conversation will go back to the states again, and it states will have to make this decision. So it's really a cultural conversation that we need to have with people. Years later, we don't still accept as a culture what the Supreme Court said. We don't believe the death of 62 million children since 1973 is the right direction for our country. Yeah. We believe that every child is valuable, not just some. Yeah. Um now, people that are listening to this broadcast may say, well, the Supreme Court, that's settled. We could perhaps do a program sometime on some of the limited number of cases where they just plain got it wrong. Of course, if they'd have been reading the Bible, <laughs> they would have known to kind of do a little ex more exploring. But overturning Roe v. Wade only put it back to the state's to the individual states where the people have the opportunity to grapple with it, to talk about it, to discuss it, to find out about it. And the closer you put the decision to the people, it allows the people to come up with the right decision. Let's, uh, let's take our next cut here. Please don't tell me that you follow science and you ignore the life of a child yeah, because so there, there's nothing in the womb uh, that doesn't show that's not a life. In fact, I jokingly tell people if, if what we found in the womb we found on Mars, we would say there's life on Mars. Right. Uh, but no one seems to admit that's life in the womb. Yeah. And uh, Senator Lankford concludes with the value of every child. If children are seen as disposable and I could keep you or I could throw you away, I just had to decide. Uh, that does change everything about the psyche of a child to think, well, you chose to keep me, but am I not that valuable yeah. uh, one, one direction or the other? It, it, it is just something very important about recognizing the value of every person yeah. that sends a message to every other person. We really are creating the image of God, and we have value and purpose. And in conclusion of this program, um, many years ago I heard about a lady in Illinois and she started out as a very young nurse. I have a granddaughter who is a nurse. And, and this lady, Jill Stenick, she went to college and she wanted to be a nurse. She wanted to help people. She wanted to care about people. She had a, she had a good heart. She's the kind of nurse that, that anyone would want to care for them. So here she was, a young nurse at Christ Hospital. My word in the Chicago area. Listen to what she had to say. Thanks for having me, Mr. Bott. And you're absolutely right. I was a registered nurse at Christ Hospital on the southwest side of Chicago when I discovered the hospital was not only involved in late-term abortions, but that the method of abortion that the hospital used sometimes resulted in babies being aborted alive and if they were aborted alive, they were allowed to die in the soiled utility room without any medical intervention whatsoever. So let's, let's just stop there then. And this is the case where they intentionally intended to kill the kid. And they, right. fa and they failed. And they failed. The child lived anyway. The child was alive anyway. There is the child alive and well. And not well, but is surviving uh, the attempt on its life. And, and so this is the scene uh, that you're describing, and you were a nurse in that hospital. Yes, and went to work there thinking I would be safe at a hospital named Christ from abortion, because who would think? 
But I found out that this was going on. And then one night, a nursing co-worker was taking a little abortion survivor to the soiled utility room because his parents didn't want to hold him, and she didn't have time to hold him that night. And he was a 21-week baby. And when she told me what she was doing, I couldn't bear the thought of this suffering child dying alone. And so I cradled and rocked him for the 45 minutes that he lived. Now, this is a, a hospital, Christ Hospital, for goodness sakes. Is that associated with a particular church or denomination? or what Yes, is it? it's affiliated with two denominations, which are both pro-abortion denominations, which is something I didn't even know existed, um, that a pro-abortion church denomination uh, back in the day. But now I know that it's... It's relatively prevalent. So you were a young nurse in that in that ward, in that hospital, in that department, and so on and so forth. You probably heard whispers. You probably heard little little statements or something that you didn't quite understand or know about. Is it, am I describing this approximately the way it was? Well, actually, it was going on quietly in the in the labor and delivery department since 1978, and I worked in the department for a year and didn't know that it was going on all around me until one night I heard a report that we were aborting a second trimester baby, and that one also had Down syndrome, and that was the first that I heard about it. And even when the story went eventually public, um, nurses in the next department, the neonatal unit, didn't believe it. They didn't know it was going on either, so it was very hush-hush. Well, somebody had to know it was going on, and the truth is what you're describing is happening across America, and no more so than Planned Parenthood. That that, are, that is being supported by people's tax money. But go on. In other words, this is your bar mitzvah, as it were. This was your awakening as to what it was all about. Right. I'd been personally pro-life before that time, but needless to say, I think just about anybody who held an abortion survivor, like I did for 45 minutes, would be instantly converted into a pro-life activist. And I was. And so uh, I had first tried to appeal to the hospital privately to stop and followed the mandate of Matthew 18, when Jesus, you know, when you find someone in sin, you approach them privately, took back a couple of witnesses again privately, such as um, Cardinal Francis George of Chicago and Dr. C. Everett Koop, who was a pro-life Surgeon General under President Reagan. He also appealed to the hospital. And when the hospital wouldn't stop, um, I went public. And this was in 1999, and I probably started talking to you not too long after that. What do you think, Rich? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And we're glad she started talking to us. You know what? Our, our so time, we could share her story with the nation. Our time has already gone, but I've been wanting, I've been wanting to, to really delve deeply into this, and uh, and we're glad that God has given us the opportunity to have Bot Radio Network and the Bible teaching and Christian news information. So our audience, our audience then would be able to hear uh, what they hear. What's our phone number, and then we better go. 1-800-345-2621. That's our listener comment line. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bott with another chapter of the complete story with my son, Rich, and we'll see you later. (music) 